Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. And it's a pretty good time in the jet life right now, I gotta say. We're sitting here on cut down day, trying to trim our roster to 53 men. We're basically right there. And it's very difficult and sad to say goodbye to 47 people that we really loved. You know, people that we met in hard knocks or watched through training camps or undrafted guys that we learned the stories of. Veterans who are here trying to make a, a spot on the roster. It's difficult to lose those guys. But when you look at the Jets and who they're cutting and how many teams around the league they're going to claim those guys off of waivers and bring them onto their practice squad or actual roster. It's crazy because the Jets are really cutting good players to build a really strong, deep roster. And if you looked at the team like three years ago, so many of these guys would have made the final roster because we'd just be looking for young guys who have potential and we couldn't give up on them or you know had to invest in the, the future potential. But now we have so many good players across the field. Only those those true diamonds, the guys that we really believe are our hidden talents, those are the guys that are going to make it. Everybody else, like, yeah, you show a lot, but there's not enough space on this roster with so much talent. So we're cutting talent just like last year. It's a good thing for the Jets. It's a sad thing for the players, but the roster is getting better today. It's getting fine-tuned. I think we're going to be in a really good place with it. We're also really excited because the Jets finished up a training camp that, on all accounts, is really, really awesome. There were a couple negative things here. We lost Chuck Clark really early. Corey Davis had a surprise retirement that, really sets our receiving room back and, and bums me out immensely because he was one of my favorite players that I think was poised for his first 1,000-plus-yard season and really get his career back on track, make his $10 million, help his family. I was very excited about that, but surprise retirement there, so a little negativity. But we bring in guys like Aaron Rodgers and Dalvin Cook. We have an awesome draft class of luxury picks like Joe Tipman and Will McDonald, Israel Abanaconda. I mean, across the board, Really pleased with what they did there, especially from seeing some of those guys through the preseason and training camps. And then we get to look at this upcoming game against the Buffalo Bills, which at this point in time, the Jets practice today, and that's all in preparation for that Monday night football game. No longer are we trying to figure out which players are going to stick, going through the conditioning and running the you know, little things, like giving everybody an opportunity in the wide receiver room to see who's going to make their little mark on the team. No, now it's our, our core 53 guys that are going to make this team. Let's start preparing, get ready so we can come out of that division game with a win. This is a very exciting time to be a Jets fan because on top of all of that, the most important thing of it all is this New York Jets team is as healthy as it's been all camp today, right now. We're getting people back in practice like Dalvin Cook, Mekhi Becton's out there. The whole offensive line is practicing together in full for the very first time today. The running back room is practicing in full today. Izzy back, Dalvin Cook back. Brees Hall still doing what he does. Carl Lawson, who had an undisclosed, kind of scary secret injury on his back. We didn't know when he was going to be coming back or if he'd be put on the pup list or IR or anything. He's back at practice today. When you look across the board, this team is ready to go on all accounts. Aaron Rodgers says he's ready. Robert Tallis says the team is ready. I think all the fans are ready. So we get to get into it, and I'm stoked to do that. Today's podcast episode is basically going to talk about the cutdowns on offense, 
cuts on defense, what that final 53-man roster looks like, and kind of the starting units for both sides. We're going to do a little bit of a Bills preview because that is, at this point in time, the next upcoming hurdle. And then we're going to do some news and notes and probably get out of here with a relatively quick episode. No father time today, but we do have a what's on tap. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do a podcast next Tuesday. I'm going to take that one off right after Labor Day and then kind of just get myself, mind, and everything ready for the regular season. And then we're going to talk about a Bills review and Cowboys preview the following Tuesday after that. So this is going to be kind of the one leading up to it. I have as much excitement as I can possibly have. There's only so much we can talk about at this point. We've made our 53-man roster. Now it's time just to practice, get our X's and O's together, get this team chemistry flowing, keep people healthy, get that game plan executed in Buffalo. hope it's a good one. So before I begin, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It is part of the Fans First Sports Network, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. If you're a new listener or a longtime listener, if you like what you hear, you enjoy the podcast, and you haven't given it a review, I really appreciate it. It would be very helpful to the podcast and the, and the platform and everything. Um, and yeah, I guess basically we can get into it. The first little bit of news that I have here, um, Hard Knocks has been awesome. I've watched every single episode. We got one last one tonight. I'll be tuned into that one at 10 p.m., but it's been such a treat to see Aaron Rodgers, who I think... You know, I was one of the people that wanted Aaron Rodgers from the very beginning. He was my number one quarterback. I have no personality concerns with him. I think that every single thing that he's done that raises a red flag for people over the course of his career, I think if you look at the other side with some perspective, you can see where he's coming from. And yes, he had an ego, was a little bit bitter earlier in his years, and he's kind of mellowed out as he's gotten older, become a little bit more of a hippie. But overall, I understand the man and his intentions. And I think that when we see him with the Jets through hard knocks and one Jets drive, you can really understand where his mind is and the compassion that he has for other people and the way that he just wants to be great and get the most out of himself and the people around him. And I think that when you look at like what he was doing in, in Green Bay, I think all that stuff was taken for granted. I think it got to a certain point where you're playing with these players for five, ten years, new rookies that are coming in, joining a team of people who have heard Aaron Rodgers talking for ten years, five years, and all this stuff. And there's just like this this level of staleness. Even if you're new to it, it doesn't feel as new because he's been there and it's just like, yeah, everybody's used to this stuff. And I think that across the board, the whole team takes it for granted. The ownership, the general managers, the coaches, all of that stuff. And they don't necessarily empower him. And he had this great quote um, about Mekhi Becton this week where he was just like, Mekhi Becton has been super impressive through training camp. And I, I'm paraphrasing here. He basically said like, if you wrap around if you wrap your arms around a guy like Makai, it's like amazing to see the return because when you truly empower a person to be great and let them be themselves, you let their personality shine through and then they can truly become the best versions of themselves. And I think he's saying that in one sense of that's how he's helping the people on his team. And we've seen that with so many jets that he's worked with over this training camp, but also maybe that he wasn't getting that from his side in green Bay. And if he had had that sort of love and that feeling, instead of just like the, yep, Aaron's our quarterback, year 18, here we go, sign the contract, here's the money. I think this stuff means more to him than just the game. I think there's a life, human element to it all. And it's just been really awesome to see him do that. He's everything I'd imagined he would be and more. He looks to be playing at a super high level. I think that Aaron Rodgers is one of the most interesting people in sports. 
And I'm so glad that we have him here, healthy, excited, rejuvenated, and ready to rock with this roster. So it's been great to have the extra content from One Jets Drive and Hard Knocks this year, just to help us kind of remember this moment in time, especially if something special happens in the, the next few months. I mentioned that the team is super healthy right now. Uh, basically, every single person except for Wes Schweitzer and Kenny Yaboa were at practice today. We have moved Jarek Bernard Converse onto the PUP list. We have Jimmy Moreland was put on IR, so those players will not count against the active roster, and they also won't be at practice for the foreseeable future. Um, but other than that, like they are good to go, and that is fantastic news for the Jets right now. All right, so the next order of business is talking about the cuts downs on offense, defense, and yes, even one on special teams. A surprise there, but we got to start with the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to go over who was cut and then kind of the guys that made the team in favor of them and what they did to get there, whatever, along the way, just how each position group shakes up. We're going to do it all at once here. Starting with quarterback, the Jets are going to roll with Aaron Rodgers as number one, Zach Wilson, the worthy number two. Zach Wilson had a very nice preseason and looks to be getting a little bit more confidence. I've always said it wasn't like physical ability with this guy. It was everything in his mind. It was everything between the ears. He was scrambling. He was nervous. He was flustered all the time. He's finally becoming a little bit more comfortable. We're seeing that translate, so he's the obvious quarterback, too. They decide to cut, wave, release Tim Boyle, who will not be on the team, at least for the beginning of the season, but I expect the Jets to try to pick him up to the practice squad. If he's available there, which... Given by his skill set and what he's able to do on the field, he probably will be. They'll get him out of the practice squad, use him in meetings, and have him be part of the team that way. That's the quarterback position. Chris Treveller was cut a while back, so he's not in the mix. When you look at the running backs, this is an interesting room because we have two really, really good players right away. It's Brees Hall. It's Dalvin Cook. That one-two punch is ridiculous in and of itself. Then you draft Israel Abedekanda, who comes back to practice healthy today, ready to go, and he showed a lot of flash in the preseason you're going to keep him on the roster for sure. Michael Carter was fighting for a spot with Bam Knight. Michael Carter is the slightly more proven player. Bam Knight had a bunch of fumbles in the preseason, at least two this preseason. Didn't do himself any favors there. Even though Michael Carter still looks a little bit inconsistent and inefficient running the ball, a lot of times getting, you know, one, two yards, getting tackled a little bit too easily, not with a lot of grit, he does still have that receiving ability Some nice one-cut, two-cut moves to get up an open field. Really good contact balance. Michael Carter makes it as that fourth running back in that mix with those guys. And he may have a slightly higher usage early in the season as all those three players that he's competing with are coming back from some sort of injury or not completely 100% healthy at this point in time. So we'll see if Michael Carter gets some extra run early on. But I like to see him as like kind of a Giovanni Bernard comp role. Just like a really nice scat back, catch the ball out of the backfield. He's got to block a little bit better, I think, but he makes the roster. We cut Travis Dye, and then we cut, surprisingly, I guess, Nick Bauden. There were a lot of people that believed Nick Bauden would be on the final roster. Nathaniel Hackett does have a history, more times than not, of employing a fullback on his offenses, and Nick Bauden was kind of starting to push the offensive view, and he was starting to get into those first team and second team reps often and early, getting a lot of play on the field, some nice blocks. It felt like he was paving a way for himself in the offense, but ultimately they decided to cut him. Travis Dye never had a chance. He didn't make the team. Looking at the wide receivers, with Corey Davis's surprise retirement, this room got really thin really fast. 
Garrett Wilson is an absolute stud. He is ridiculously good. He's the best receiver I've seen play for the Jets by far. It's not even not even close. What we saw with him and Aaron Rodgers in the first minutes they got together in the preseason against the Giants was like, holy mackerel, just like that, they already have it. So that one makes sense right there. Alan Lazard, number two, he's got the history with Rodgers. He's a big, tall target. Seems to be healthy right now. That's your number two receiver. Then you've got a little bit of a question mark behind that. Randall Cobb will be a slot guy. Really old. He was on the verge of retirement. But he comes back to play another season with Aaron Rodgers on this New York Jets team. And he's a reliable guy who knows what Rodgers is thinking, knows how to get open, catches the ball, has a little bit of grit to him still. Right? He's going to fight and churn for extra yardage and everything that he can get. But he's not the physical specimen that maybe he once was. And even at his peak, he wasn't a, in my opinion, extremely dynamic athlete, more of a reliable guy. So he's going to be competing in his older, you know, last leg of his career with Nicole Hardman, who's kind of the opposite. He is the physical freak. He is capable of running super fast and doing ridiculous things with his legs, but he's young, he's unproven, he's kind of unreliable, and he's had some injury concerns in the past. So whether or not Nicole Hardman can get enough chemistry with Aaron Rodgers and enough reliability with Aaron Rodgers to allow that higher level skill set to be on the field in place of Randall Cobb remains to be seen because they're going to pick the guy that's going to get open. It's going to catch the ball on third down and that's going to give them the best chance to win the game. But the minute that Mecole Hardman is getting open as often as Randall Cobb and finding the soft spots and the chemistry and everything with Rogers, just the same as Randall Cobb, they're going to play Mecole Hardman because he's just a more vastly superior athlete by far. The question is, when will that happen? It'll start with Randall Cobb, I'm sure. Cobby will be very active in this team and this offense early as Rodgers gets situated and acclimated to the team. But who's going to be behind them? Because you're still relying on Garrett Wills with all those crazy jukes to stay healthy. Alan Lazard's already been banged up a little this preseason. Randall Cobb is old. He's been banged up. Michael Hardman, injury history. Who comes up if those guys are out? Corey Davis isn't on the team, so we got to replace him. And we already had probably a sixth receiver spot up for grabs before. The Jets elect to keep Jason Brownlee, who's probably the best big-bodied receiver they had this preseason in training camp. Nice to have him there, an undrafted guy. I don't trust him yet. I don't think that he knows the nuances of football enough to play within the freedom of an Aaron Rodgers offense at this point in time, but I am excited about his upside. They also keep Xavier Gibson, who had some really nice catches some yards after catch, some shifty stuff in this last game against the Giants is where he really excelled. But he had been in the mix for one of those roles all training camp. His name was mentioned behind a Brownlee and a Taylor. And then Gibson was kind of like that third option. But the reason that Gibson was in the mix as much as he was is because he offered some special teams ability. I originally thought that Mecole Harden was the guaranteed punt returner and kick returner because he's fast, he's reliable there. He kind of gets some really nice plays in his history with the Chiefs doing that. But I think with Corey Davis retiring, and we just talked about kind of like that that thinness at the wide receiver position, I think Mecole Hardman becomes a little bit more important as an outside and slot receiver, where they wouldn't necessarily want to just put him in there on punts and risk him there. Xavier Gibson had had a really good, reliable training camp, returning punts, had some really nice returns, a couple long ones. He was a fan favorite, a team favorite it looked like as well. And then had some nice catches as well, pretty reliable, very small, like a five foot ten receiver. Shifty little slot guy, probably, but a nice little 
project guy to have there, and he may very well be our week one punt returner, maybe even kick returner. And if you ask me, you put an undrafted free agent returning punts on a season that's this important, I think you're out of your mind. I don't think you should ever put a rookie in a situation like that because rookies make rookie mistakes. And when you're punt returning, a rookie mistake is a dropped punt. And a dropped punt is like a 50-yard free play turnover for the other team. One of the worst things that can happen to your team in football. Do I trust it? Not necessarily. But if he can prove it and do it really well at a high level, hey, he's got a spot on this team. And then the most shocking thing of all to me is the Jets have a seventh wide receiver on this roster right now. And I was thinking they should carry five. It should be with Corey Davis in the mix, just that group. No Brownlee, no Gibson, nobody else. But the Jets don't have Corey Davis. They have two spots open to make it six. They had a seventh guy, Irvin Charles. Irvin Charles stood out last year in training camp and preseason. Didn't really make the team. Went to the pre, uh, practice squad and was just kind of part of the unit there. Had a couple snaps or whatever in regular season games with the Jets, but was a non-factor overall on a team that really couldn't pass the ball overall either. But a little bit more of a veteran as he's been in the league for a little bit longer than a Brownlee and a Gibson. And maybe at this point in time, they see that Irvin Charles is a little bit more ready to play early if asked upon to play a starting outside wide receiver role just because of his time within the league. But they keep Irvin Charles in there as well. So they have seven receivers there. I would not be surprised to see one of those guys, maybe even two of those guys replaced, moved, or gone in the next few days as the practice squads are built, more players are released, waivers are placed. Wouldn't be shocked to see those those positions moved, but right now we got those seven guys. Then you look at tight end. The Jets already had two great starting tight ends that I love in C.J. Uzoma and Tyler Conklin. I think Conklin's going to have a huge season. I think C.J. Uzoma's going to have great chemistry with Rodgers. We have an awesome young kid that I love learning right behind them in Jeremy Rucker. And the question was, were there going to be more on the roster and who would it be? Zach Koontz was my favorite on my 53-man roster prediction two weeks ago because he had a really good preseason up to that point. Since then, he's had some trouble blocking, hasn't had a lot of opportunities or great plays in the preseason or training camp. And I think the Jets just see him as more of a project than a ready-to-play player. And if they're going to have guys in their roster right now, especially like a fourth tight end, they want it to be a guy that can play special teams specifically. And Kenny Yaboa offers so much more to that special teams unit. He's actually a He's actually a really good special teams player for us. He's done some impressive things. Blocking puns, making some special plays here and there, picking up fumbles. Kenny Eboa is a reliable special teamer. He gets that role in that fourth tight end spot for the Jets. They decide not to go with Zach Koontz. I think they'd like to try to get him onto the practice squad if possible. He was our seventh round draft pick out of Old Dominion this year. So people know that we obviously coveted him enough to draft him in the seventh round. Perhaps somebody else had their eyes on him as well as an undrafted guy. Maybe you want to get their hands on him as a developmental player for their practice squad. But I think it's very likely he ends up back with the Jets. EJ Jenkins, he did not make the roster either at tight end. Then when we look at the offensive line, the offensive line is actually coming together really, really well. And it's crazy because if you would be on Twitter over the past month, you would be convinced that this whole thing was going under. We've had beat reporters telling us that Mekhi Becton's going to be traded for months. This is what the plan is. He's not going to be part of this unit. That Dwayne Brown wouldn't be ready for week one. 
that we've got injuries with ABT and he's going to have to be pushed to tackle, Billy Turner, all these things, and who's going to play where and what the heck. But when it's all said and done, and we're sitting here two weeks before the home opener, the Jets' starting offensive line is going to be Dwayne Brown on the left, Lakin Tomlinson at left guard, Connor McGovern at center, AVT at right guard, and Mekhi Becton at right tackle. And if you asked anybody in June or May or March what the best outcome for this Jets offensive line would be, it would basically be that unit. Maybe Tippman would be there instead of Connor McGovern. But Tippman is a rookie center, and he doesn't need to start week one with Aaron Rodgers, who's been there for so long. He needs a little bit more chemistry in the pocket, pre-snap reads and everything. Tippman will have his shots down the road. He looks really, really good, especially at center. But Connor McGovern is a veteran. You got Lakin Tomlinson, a veteran next to him. Dwayne Brown on the left, a guy you can rely on. A solid left. And then on the right, you've got Mekhi Becton looking as good as he's ever looked for the Jets, grinding people into the ground again. An absolute pancake master. Next to AVT, who I think is one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. So that right side is ridiculously talented. AVT next to Becton, those two healthy, playing at a high level with an Aaron Rodgers offense and Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, those tight ends. Holy smokes, I love that. So something that looked like it was an absolute an absolute botch job by Joe Douglas and stuff, we're sitting there like, how the hell are we going to roll out this unit? Is it going to be Billy Turner and Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be a right tackle and who the hell's going to West Schweitzer? We didn't know, right? But instead of just trusting in the team and these players and the, the doctors and everybody else doing their jobs, we panicked. We made a whole freaking deal out of the thing, made everybody unhappy for two weeks. We settle right where we should have been all along. Happy and complacent with what we have. Backups, we have Joe Tippman, who's going to be the backup center, and he's going to be cross-training at left and right guard as well. That role is also shared by Wes Schweitzer, who plays center, left, and right guard, so we've got a little bit of flexibility in the middle. We're keeping Billy Turner, who is Billy Turnstyle. He doesn't block very well, doesn't block for very long, but the good news is, and the reason that his career has lasted as long as it has with Aaron Rodgers, is that Aaron Rodgers throws the ball in two and a half seconds. Billy Turner blocks for about two seconds. That extra half second, the guy can't get from Billy Turner to Aaron Rodgers, so it works out when it has to, but it's not ideal. We're keeping Max Mitchell. He'll be in the mix to do a little bit of a rotational offensive line play if somebody goes down, and then Carter Warren, who was our draft pick out of Pittsburgh and uh, has an opportunity to potentially become the backup left tackle or the backup right tackle, but at this point in time, he's more of a project than anything else may end up on an IR list or something in the near future just to save spots for somebody else. But that's what our offensive line is looking like. The only person that you think maybe could have made that roster that didn't would have been Tristan Colon, who's that same role as Joe Tippmann and Wes Schweitzer can play center or guard. We had Dan Feeney, we had Alex Lewis, we had some people in the past taking that role, but I think that when you have Tippmann doing what he can do and Wes Schweitzer there, you have enough versatility in the middle that Tristan Colon was definitely the last guy cut from that unit that would have been on the roster if somebody else had gone down. But given the state of everybody else and the roster that we have here and how many offensive linemen we carry, we didn't need him. Unfortunately, I don't think that we're going to be able to pick Tristan Colon up back to the practice squad because I think he's too good a player from what he did in Baltimore and even the preseason that he had here in training camps. I think that he's not a starter in this league, but I think that he is a worthwhile backup and he's young enough with a little bit of upside and he's healthy that he may get picked up by another team. I would not be surprised at all. And then everybody else that was on that line fighting for spots, 
those third, fourth quarter guys in the preseason, Grant Hermans, Brent Lang, Adam Pankey, Greg Sanat, they're not going to make the team. Some of them may be brought back to the practice squad, I'm sure. At least a couple of them will. If I was picking, my favorites were Greg Sanat and Adam Pankey. But we'll see what the Jets think. So that is the state of the offense at this point in time at the initial 53-man roster cuts. Now, before we go over to the defensive side of the ball, we do have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right, folks. This is what's on tap. And today I am drinking another awesome beer from my favorite brewery, Bissell Brothers, brought to me by roommate Kyle from his trip to Maine. I had another beer from that trip uh, two weeks ago on the last podcast. Today I'm drinking something different. This one is Baby Genius, a one-pint ale, only 4% alcohol, This thing is crispy and delicious. It doesn't get you where you need to be as fast as you'd like it to, but you drink it faster than you'd ever expect because it is smooth and it is crispy and refreshing. And it's an ale. It's not like a pale ale. It doesn't have a lot of bitterness to it, not a lot of darkness to it. It's very smooth and light with a very small hint of like an IPA. It's like a very, very crispy light, New England IPA at 4% alcohol and probably low calorie. And just something fun to drink. Baby Genius by Bissell Brothers. Another great beer for this podcast. I think that I'm going to plan to do some really special drinks, cocktails, wines, whiskeys, champagnes, who knows what, throughout the regular season, especially if it's a fun ride. Like, we deserve great beers if it's a great season and great drinks and to have some fun to spoil ourselves, right? God forbid I spend an extra couple hundred bucks on beers and and beverages this year. If the Jets are having an awesome experience, I deserve it. We deserve it. It's been such a long time, like, live a little bit. So we'll see what happens throughout the season. Hopefully it goes well. Hopefully we're celebrating a lot, drinking some cool stuff. But today, it's Baby Genius, the last one of the off-season additions. That is this week's What's on Tap. Now, before we go over to the defense, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Attention sports fans. Are you a fan of an NFL team? Would you love to attend your favorite team's week one game? Well, you're in luck. Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice, up to $5,000. The rules to enter are simple. Go to contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the appropriate information. That's contest.fansfirstsports.com. And that's it. Once you've done that, you've been officially registered to win four free tickets to any Week 1 NFL game. So what are you waiting for? Go enter for your shot at seeing your favorite team in action. Contest ends on September 4th. Alrighty, and welcome back to This Is The Jet Life. We are going to talk about the defensive side of the ball, where it stands after cutdowns, at least the initial look where we're at right now. This is a living, breathing roster that will continue to change every single day. It will never be stuck in stone. It's probably going to change pretty drastically over the next three days. I'm sure there's three, four, five pickups and drops that'll be made. But at this point in time, this is what we got. This is the initial roster look, and this is the defense. Looking at the defensive line to start, we know that we have a ridiculously deep group here. Our starting ends, Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, both healthy right now. Behind them, Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald and Bryce Huff. 
all pass rush specialists. Jermaine Johnson also great against the run. Then you've got Michael Clemens in the mix. That brings you to six guys right away. You talk about Quinnen Williams, stud. Big Al Woods against the run. Quinton Jefferson against the pass. Solomon Thomas to do a little bit of everything. Be a great team guy. It's 10 people right there. There's no room for anybody else. There's no injuries. Everybody's good to go. So unfortunately, Deslin Alexander, no shot for him. Bruce Hector, Jalen Holmes, Marquise Spencer, Pita Tumapenu, no spot for those guys. The only player that I think like really had a chance to make this roster, potentially if there was an injury, the first guy up would have been Tanzel Smart, who doesn't make the roster, has been in this situation like feels like every single offseason for the Jets, where he has an awesome training camp, an awesome preseason. He's got great get-off. He plays against those second-string and third-string offensive linemen from other teams late in the games, and he dominates, and you're just like, man, this guy's just a higher level than so many people on the field. But because the depth that we have at the offensive line and the fact that he's really more of a pass rush guy than a run-stopping defensive tackle, he's not going to make it this year. We'll see if, I think he's probably like 28, 29 years old now because he's been doing this with the Jets for a long time and with teams before that. Um, We'll see if we can get him back on the practice squad because he's one of those guys that if a defensive tackle went down, you feel pretty good about being able to take Tanzel Smart and plug him into a game, as we've done in the past, mid-season, one, two games. Here we go. He'll probably make a splash play or two in the past game, get into the backfield with a good jump once or twice. So Tanzel Smart, an opportunity there, but uh, not on the initial 53, of course. Linebackers were kind of a weird one because... Overall, we don't really love our linebacker group, I think. I think that we love Quincy, and C.J. Mosley's a stud. But then outside of that, it's like, all right, are we going to be starting Jamie and Sherwood? Hopefully not. He's on the roster, though. Um, Zaire Barnes? Maybe. He's been playing pretty well in the off uh, preseason and training camps and stuff so far, but he's still just a rookie. And would we trust him out there a lot? Probably not. Then we also keep Chaz Surratt, who has an opportunity to play a little bit, but also is a really good special teamer and one of the favorites of the coaches. I had him on my initial 53-man roster. A lot of people didn't two weeks ago. I thought Chad Surratt was the type of guy that would be one of the last people added onto this roster just because of that special team's ability and what he has with the coaches. He does make it. But when you look at this whole thing, I think it's starting to come into shape a little bit that it's going to be Jamie and Sherwood first at outside linebacker with CJ and Quincy, but... When you can pull one of those linebackers out and go to a big nickel, they're going to be playing Adrian Amos at almost a linebacker safety position frequently. I said in the offseason that that's exactly what Chuck Clark was going to do. I wasn't convinced that he was brought in to be a safety necessarily. I thought he was going to be that big nickel, play some linebacker, do some special things in that kind of Quan Alexander role with a little bit more speed and coverage ability. But obviously with his injury, they bring in Adrian Amos, and the first thought is like maybe he's supposed to be the free safety. But I think they see him up in the box a little bit more, playing more of a you know, big nickel role. They're also going to be playing a lot of regular nickel with Michael Carter, too, who's awesome at what he does. So a lot of opportunities to get that third linebacker off the field. Not as big of a deal with Jamie and Sherwood not being as far along as we'd hoped he'd be at this point in his career. That means that we cut Claude and Shirellis, Samuel Egwavoen, Caleb Johnson, and Nick Vigil, all of which I'm okay with. Looking at the cornerbacks, the Jets are going to be keeping their two studs on the outside, DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner, who both looked awesome in preseason to start against the Giants. Michael Carter, too, looked awesome and had an absolutely massive hit, where at first I thought it was Quincy Williams because he literally depleted the guy 
had a perfect form tackle and drove him into the ground. And then you're like, holy smokes, that was Michael Carter, too. What a beast at nickel we have there. Then behind those guys, it gets a little sketchier. Jimmy Moreland's on IR. Brandon Eccles is suspended for week one. I think Brandon Eccles was the best in the preseason and the training camps. I think that he is a guy that I don't trust. I don't trust his personality, the way that he is too hot-headed and crazy on the field. I think that he's going to get penalties or, I don't know. I just see too much like Kyle Wilson in the way that he acts, but he does make good plays. He's fast. He's athletic. He had that big pick six against the Giants, so all that stuff is really good for him. Unfortunately, he's not going to be there for week one. The other guy's probably going to be Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall, I am down on him more and more every single year. The first year when we got him out of Virginia, I was like, man, what a steal. Then he played that rookie year, and you're like, this guy's one of the best late-round rookies in the whole draft. Next year, a little bit worse. I mean, it gets to the point where it's like, I don't even trust him to not get burned if he's on the field. So I don't know what the long-term plan is there at cornerback. I'd like to see them either get Jimmy Moreland back on the roster or pick somebody else up that we can trust to play cornerback. But in the meantime, we got to get week one healthy get Brandon Eccles back in there to be that cornerback, either the third outside guy or the fourth overall cornerback, and then at least we feel a little bit better about the state of the cornerback room. That means that we don't have Derek Langford, no Nehemia Shelton, and no Jimmy Moreland. Then looking at the safeties, Craig James, they listed as a safety. I thought he was a cornerback. He didn't make the roster. Um, Marquise Waters didn't make the roster either. Derek Bernard Converse is on PUP. The one surprise here was Trey Dean because Trey Dean easily could have made the roster with the way that he played in preseason and training camp. He was all over the field making plays, doing awesome stuff. But the Jets keep Jordan Whitehead, their new starter at free safety, Tony Adams, Adrian Amos, who we just talked about being a versatile safety and big nickel option, and then Ashton Davis makes the team again. And this one makes you scratch your head a little bit just because of the amount of time and rope that Ashton Davis has got. And I think he had his best preseason that he's had yet as being a Jet. I think he made some really nice plays. I think it was against the Bucks specifically. He stood out and was like all over the field. Happens to be the same game that Trey Dean was standing out. But Trey Dean was a guy coming into preseason and training camps that I was feeling like this guy has an opportunity to make the roster and potentially fight for Ashton Davis's spot or Tony Adams' spot, if Tony hadn't been as far along as he is. So trading was a guy I already had my eyes on. Then you see him on the field and what he's doing in training camp, and you're like, all right, he's passing the tests that I thought. He's actually, he is that player that I thought he might be able to be. And last year, the Jets cut a good safety in Jason Pinnock to keep Ashton Davis. And I think at this point in time, maybe they regret it because Jason Pinnock is like a starting level safety for the Giants. Ashton Davis is trying to figure out what his role is on the team. Is Ashton Davis the backup safety? Is he really good enough at that role that, like, we're going to put him in there at backup safety, or are we working him on this roster because he's a good special teamer? I've been spending the last two years saying that his best chance of sticking around in the league is to become a Justin Hardy and use his world-class athlete sprinter speed from Cal to transition into a, a gunner, a special teamer, and do what Justin Hardy does and be a specialist in that as well as a backup safety. But the Jets don't really have him there yet. Maybe they think he can get there. I just don't know if it was Jeff Albrook who said, we need Ashton Davis for the safety group, or if it was Bram Boyer who's like, we need Ashton Davis for the special teams room. Either way, I haven't been convinced over the years that he's ready for either of those roles. 
and to see Dre, Trey Dean kind of coming on as fast and early and reliably as he had, I thought he had a chance there. I hope Trey Dean makes the practice squad. But again, he's one of those guys that I think is going to get picked up, claimed off of waivers first. When you look at special teams, Thomas Hennessy makes it. Greg Zerline makes it. Justin Hardy makes it. But the weird one, this is the crazy surprise of the whole thing. Thomas Morstead gets released today. The Jets don't have a backup punter option. We don't have a second punter in preseason. It's been Thomas Morstead. And the Jets cut Braden Mann in the offseason, picked up Thomas Morstead, and I said to myself, thank God, because Braden Mann's the guy that's going to lose you a game. Thomas Morstead is reliable. At least he's a veteran guy who can get the job done, will kick it downfield, no 30-yard shanks. He'll at least get it to flip the field. Thomas Morrisett has been loving the Jets, posting a lot of stuff on social media. He's been a big part of, like, hard knocks and stuff, kind of becoming, like, a, you know, fan favorite for the Jets. And they decided to cut him here. I personally don't think that he's got the leg or the power strength from what I saw in preseason to really warrant him being even a top half of the league punter at this point in his career, 14 years in. But still, it leaves you scratching your head as we don't have a punter right now two weeks out from the Buffalo Bills game. And there are other teams in the league that are looking for punters as well. The Philadelphia Eagles don't really have a good punter right now, and I know they'd love to find a guy. So are we going to have to go out there and trade for somebody? Are we going to be competing with other teams to pick up the best available scrap heap punter? Is Thomas Morstead going to end up back on the roster punting for the Jets? Maybe Thomas Morstead goes to the Eagles. Believe it or not, one of the available punters potentially is going to be Braden Mann because the Steelers released their initial 53-man depth chart, and they've got two punters on their active 53, one of them being Braden Mann, probably in hopes to trade one of those guys. So if they're looking to deal Mann, all of a sudden the Jets giving up, that can't happen. Joe Douglas can't give up assets to recover Braden Mann. But it's just an interesting situation for that group. I don't think that... I don't think that Thomas Morstead is a guy that like we can't get rid of because I don't think that he's irreplaceable. But I do think that we are now in the danger zone of having a real dog shit punter for a lot of this season that's really screwing us over. And that's what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about not having Thomas Morstead. There's plenty of punters better than Thomas Morstead. But can we get one on this roster and in time? Or is this going to be Sam Ficken at punter? Because that would be exactly what we don't need. Unless we don't punt at all this year, which... Technically, at this point in time, is still a possibility, not a probability. All right, so that is the defense and special teams. Now, I just want to close this thing out, kind of fly through a Bills preview. And the reason for that is we're at this point in time right now where it's all hypothetical. Nobody has played a real game yet. Those starting units haven't played out there yet. There's so much thought, so much hype and everything that's gone into it. I've spent so much time thinking about this game against the Bills, imagining it. I'm sure so many other fans have as well. That just to continue talking about it and feeding into it, just in like, oh, imagine if this happens or that. I don't really even have the mental bandwidth for it. I have to get to that game. I have to watch it. And then I can start this whole podcast series season off, right? That's the reason that we're not doing a podcast next week. I can't do another week of just thinking about the Buffalo Bills game. What the hell is going to happen in it? Got to just get there. Taking one week off, having some fun, relaxing, enjoying the end of summer. And then it's just hopefully just nonstop football in my life until February. I'll be watching either way if the Jets are in or out. I legitimately watched probably... 18 preseason games in full so far the last month. 
it's becoming a problem here. But that said, I want to talk about the Bills really quick, just kind of where we're at right now without the season even being underway yet. The Jets played them twice last year. They won at home 20-17. to That was an awesome game. Bryce Huff had that game clinching, forced fumble. And we lost in Orchard Park 12-20. to So both close games, one-score games. The Jets won one. The Bills won one. Jets were playing with Zach Wilson or whatever other quarterback they had. The Bills were playing with, you know, an MVP candidate type of guy and one of the best rosters in football. But then when you look at what we've done from last year to this year, the Jets have made some significant improvements, none bigger than Aaron Rodgers, the most important position on the team, replacing one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL, if not the worst, last year with one of the best quarterbacks in the league, not from last year's standards, but just from what he's able to do, Aaron Rodgers. The Jets are obviously a much, much better team today. But the Bills, what's going on there? You look at their offense, Devin Singletary, running back that's been there for a long time, he's gone. I think he's on the Texans right now. They added in Damian Harris, who had been on the Patriots. He was that one-two punch with Ramondre Stevenson. An interdivision move, Damian Harris goes to the Bills. So he's going to be probably the second string or first string running back fighting out with Dalvin Cook's brother, James Cook, who was drafted, was a rookie last year, fumbled in like his first game with the Bills. Didn't get a lot of opportunities after that until midway through the season and then had some upside. People think that James Cook potentially is ready to take on that starting running back role for the Buffalo Bills. Again, he'll have to beat Damian Harris, who's a solid, decent type back. Um, but we, it remains to be seen if James Cook is actually ready to take that on or if this is just going to be another season where the Josh Allen Buffalo Bills just have a mediocre subpar run game and rely on Josh Allen to throw the football, good defense, Stephon Diggs type of thing. They drafted a tight end, Dalton Kincaid, who's going to be competing with Dawson Knox, who's a pretty good tight end. Dalton Kincaid is also having a really good preseason and training camp. So they potentially have two guys there. I'm not sure who's going to win the starting job, but they have two weapons at that tight end room. That's like the big addition, I guess, for their offense in this offseason. When you look at their offensive line, pretty much the same. Josh Allen, the same. Wide receivers, still Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, right? They got the same fullback, Reggie Gilliam. It's not much different than last year. Dalton Kincaid, a little more James Cook this year, Damian Harris. Other than that, nothing too crazy, all right? So I'm not super scared of that offense aside from, like, the Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, which was a really, really nice, interesting matchup against Sauce Gardner, watching the Stephon Diggs, Sauce Gardner, or the DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner last year. We did a pretty good job on him overall. He had a couple nice plays here and there, but they can lock him down. This could be a fun game for the Jets defensively. Just have to make sure you contain Josh Allen. Don't let him get running and do some hero ball stuff. It's the last thing we need. Then you look at the defensive side of the ball. The Bills are a strong defensive team. They're probably stronger this year than last year, not because of who they added, but because of who they're getting back. Now, they're not going to have Von Miller in this game, which is pretty big for our offensive line that's working through some chemistry stuff right now. So not having their best pass rusher in Von Miller for week one is great for the Jets, not for Von Miller. But other than that, it's like they've got a couple situational pass rushers. They've got like an EJ, AJ Epinesa and a Greg Rousseau and a, um, what's that other guy? Can't think of that pass rusher that's been in the league for a long time. Slipping my mind right now. But they got a couple guys that are options there. The middle of the defense is pretty strong. Ed Oliver, really good player. A 
a great inside linebacker in Matt Milano, who's one of the best in the league. And then where they really added the talent back is the safety group. They had a lot of games missed from their safeties last year. Obviously, DeMar Hamlin missed a lot. He's a backup. But Micah Hyde missed 15 games last year. And Jordan Poyer missed, like, five. So between those two, arguably, like, the best safety duo in the NFL, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, they didn't play a lot together. So to have those two guys back there, that's a big boost for that Buffalo Bills defense. And that middle of the defense is very, very stout and very, very tough. Talk about the outside cornerbacks. Another situation where the team got better is Tredavious White last year only played in six games. So to have Tredavious White back out there, it's going to be obviously a big boost for that defense overall. And then the question is, can you beat up a Kyer Elam, Christian Beneford, a Teron, uh, Teron Johnson, whoever else they roll out there at cornerback? The other guys are more beatable than Tredavious White, of course, but Tredavious has been injured for the last few years, banged up here and there, missing some substantial time. We'll see if he's still where he was when he was playing full seasons. But the Jets are going to have their hands tied with Matt Milano flying across the field and those two safeties playing. And Ed Oliver rushing up the middle against Connor McGovern. The middle of that defense is going to be tough. we got to see the Jets get the ball out wide. Screen game is going to be big for this team. I guarantee the Jets are screening the ball a ton to tight ends and running backs this year. Expect it. Letting the defense through and then whoop, dumping right over. Guy runs upfield. Garrett Wilson is going to be involved heavily. And the main thing for this Jets team, early on especially, and against a team like the Bills, it's a scary team, is establish the run. I would love to see this team run to the right side behind Mekhi Becton, watch him level people, block two guys on one play, AVT sealing perfect edges, and getting our one-cut runners and Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall up the field, run the ball through them. Just run the game through them if we can. Keep it easy on Aaron Rodgers because there are really, really good weapons. Pass rushers and pass stoppers in the defensive backfield for the Buffalo Bills. If we can run on them, that's where we're going to make our hay. That's where this team can get going. And that's going to be kind of the theme for a lot of this year as we play teams. Is like if we can run the ball, that dictates a lot of it. And then it all comes down to not making mistakes, staying healthy, and the defense doing what the defense does. I think the defense is the better unit of the two teams the Jets have. I'm more nervous about the Jets' offense against the Bills' defense than I am the Jets' defense against the Bills' offense. I know that we can stop. We did it last year, right, with this unit. I saw us do it against Josh Allen on this basically this exact same offense. James Cook and Damian Harris is not scarier than Zach Moss and Devin Singletary to me. I've seen us do it against this offense. But the defense, they got a lot of guys back. We struggled. We put up 20 points and 12 points last year. Granted, our offense is much, much further evolved and stronger this year than it was last year, but it's early in the season. We don't have the chemistry. They're coming back with like the exact same unit, basically picking up where they left off in the playoffs, and we're trying to set our first step in the right direction. I am as excited for this game as I could be for any game. The matchup, that stuff right there, boom, alone. Now put it on Monday Night Football. Now put it on September 11th in New York City. You can't script anything better. The NFL planned this whole, it couldn't be scripted better. They didn't play on the Aaron Rodgers, but they planned the freaking timing of this game and who they're playing against. And this is must-see TV. It's goosebumps before it's even started. And to watch somebody run out of that tunnel... At MetLife Stadium with an American flag. 
fly over from the plains. There's going to be some tears during that national anthem. And I hope that we knock some skulls and play a violent Robert Sala-style defense game and get some freaking stud play from our Garrett Wilsons, Brees Halls, all these people we've been waiting to see for so long, to see this unit in action. Man, I got my prediction for this one. I think the New York Jets are going to win this game. I think we're putting 30 up on this team. I think the Bills are going to get 20 on us. We win by 10, 30 to 20 to start the season. Get that hype, that arrow, or that target on our back even bigger. Get everybody fired up. Whew. If they lose, it's going to be like, all right, we understand why. We're still figuring stuff out. The Bills are an established team. They've been doing this for a long time. But our schedule is hard. Aaron Rodgers' time here is limited. And we have to make sure that we get off to a fast start. We got to win two out of the first four games, I think at a minimum, to have me feeling okay about playoff chances. Best thing we can do is win week one. I'm going to be doing podcasts not next Tuesday, but after the Bills game, Monday night is the Bills game. Tuesday, I will do a podcast following that. And then I'll do one every single Tuesday throughout the year, unless otherwise noted, doing a review of the previous game and a preview of the upcoming game. And that's basically it. Follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan for updates. I'm uh, tweeting on uh, Twitter. I'm putting out the contest rules that I mentioned earlier. There is a contest from Fans for a Sports Network to win four tickets up to $5,000 in value to week one. It closes on September 4th, so get those things entered. Just go to, I forget what it was, uh, follow me on Twitter or listen back in the podcast to hear what the website is. But very cool stuff coming. Rate, review, subscribe, and where podcasts are found. Man, enjoy week one. I'm not going to be at the game. I'm going to be going to Father Time's house. Roommate Kyle will be there. Wife Shannon. It's going to be... Wings week, a very fun time, a lot of nervousness. I'm going to be nauseous the whole week leading up probably. Let's just get us there. Let's go Jets. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 